This week on Behind the Message, the Lord's Supper calls us to remember. I forget. <laughs> what? <laughs> and we introduce our brand new senior correspondent. You forget. We have a senior correspondent? You forgot. <laughs> Hey church family, welcome again to Behind the Message with Daniel and Jennifer, back again with you. Um, again and again and again. We may wear thin pretty soon, but right now we're having fun, so um, you're stuck with us. But anyway, <laughs> wanted to thank you guys for the great questions that you're sending in. I think I want to thank you for the great questions. Um, we've got some good ones again today. Keep sending those in. Um, the email for those questions are going to be on the screen again behind the message or btm at tcbchurch.org so send those in when you get a chance this has been fun and what our prayer is and what our hope is both of us is that this is serving our family well so this is serving our church body well um, before this is anything else it is a study group um, everything has to look a little different with covid so um, we want this to be an opportunity it challenges us we dig into the word deeper um, out of the sermon for the weekend and we want that to be the same for you. We want this to be something that challenges you and, uh, yes, informs you about what's going on with our church family, but also pushes you deeper into the Word of God. So that is um, our biggest heart for this entire platform. So we hope it's being used for that, and we hope you're enjoying it. Anyway, so jumping in um, to this week, there is like one um, other change that we have to talk about because we're lacking on change in our lives right now. But our service times are changing. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. So, um, but our service times are changing. Kind of. Um, instead of having our four services, now help me get this right. I don't want to mess right. this up. Um, instead of having our four services, which we've had, we are going to three services. So we are doing Saturday night at 6.30. We are doing Sunday morning at 9 and Sunday morning at 11. So the only thing that's changing is the Sunday night service is dropping off for right now who knows we may have right to change now. again but for right now it is and we're still having our preschool programming at the 11 o'clock hour on Sundays be sure an RSVP for that you have to do that by Wednesdays and um, anyway so from three service from four services down to three and that's it, pretty clear cut. And, and you mentioned the change too so we want, also want you to know there's the plan for when it needs to go back to four. Yeah. And so we know we're going to need to go back to four services as more people begin to come back to the gathering. Yeah. And so when we do that, we'll meet, uh, we'll have three services on Sunday morning okay. that are spaced out. So one at eight, one at 9.35, and one at 11.15. Mm -hmm. And so the reason we're telling you that, we don't know if that's in two weeks or we don't know if that's in two months. Right. But the reason we're telling you now is to just minimize some of that change feeling you this got going on. This change shock. So <laughs> at least you know you got some clarity. That's right. We don't know when we'll need to go back to that, but you know how we will when we do it. That's right. You'll know when we know. Um, but anyway, but right now, everything's staying the same times. 6.30 Saturday night, 9 and 11 on Sunday, just no Sunday night service at this time. And when that changes back, we will let you know. So anyway, going into the message this week, we're going to um, talk about what got us, what kind of stood out to us um, in the message, what impacted us, and maybe changed some, some ways we were thinking. Um, the message is phenomenal this week. Um, we're going through the Lord's Supper, which is, um, I think in my past, it would have gotten very monotonous, that may be an ugly word, to study the Lord's Supper, but the way our church body has been doing it and teaching through it, and especially walking through the Gospels um, and teaching it as it occurred in, in the Gospels has been really 
really exciting and encouraged me. So some of the things that got me this week were just the study of the Passover, um, the Passover lamb, and how, again, and I talked about this last week. I think I must be an Old Testament geek right now, but um, the study of the Passover lamb and how Jesus was the fulfillment of that and the Passover celebration that was instituted back in Exodus and how all of that was to point toward the fulfillment in Christ. Um, that impacted me again this week, but what stood out to me was um, Mike teaches through and makes the statement this week about um, how it's so exciting to look at, instead of continuing to look back at your past, they didn't want the Israelites to continue to look back to the event of the Exodus always now there was a present fulfillment um, for them to hold on to and to look at Christ um, in the present as he instituted the Lord's Supper. And so for me, what stood out to me was there have been so many times in my life that I think I've looked back to um, an event. Well, I know that that's when I was saved, or I know that that, and it is good to look back to God's faithfulness. And I think that's what the children of Israel are always encouraged to do. Look back to the faithfulness of God and rest in that. But we should have present, active proof in our lives, evidence of our salvation presently in our lives. And that just stood out to me that just as Jesus was reinstituting the Passover meal into the Lord's Supper in celebration of his act of salvation, um, I should have present acts celebrating the act of his salvation in my life today, not just flipping back to when I was seven, eight years old um, and repented in faith. If that's what I'm relying on, that memory is going to fade. And um, it was a huge challenge and an encouragement for me this week. So anyway. I, I love that. And so one of the things you're talking about that is the, the effects of remembering. Yeah. So I'm memory challenged, like <laughs> really, really bad. So we can talk about that another day. <laughs> but a whole different lesson. Like I will walk into rooms all the time and like, why, why did I come in here? And I have to just sit there and think about it. Mm. And so if I can ever remember, which is flip a quarter, but if I can ever remember why I actually came in that room, then I can carry out that practice right. in the present. Yeah. But I, it's like I need to remember. And so for someone like me who forgets so many things, yeah. to be able to see in Scripture this call to remember for the present well-being and growth yeah. by present sanctification is just so important yeah. because I will forget everything. Yeah. So those routines mm -hmm. are so good. And so to see that parallel from Passover, even into the New Testament mm -hmm. or sermons, Jesus as the Lamb of God, mm -hmm. Jesus, the bread of life, right. and all those things kind of connect in the Lord's Supper, this thing I participate in with the body. Yeah. That's just beautiful. Yeah. Hey, so we, uh, I was at this church and I was serving as a middle school pastor. I'm like, I don't know, I'm, I'm probably like 19 years <laughs> old or something. And the church had these hardwood floors, you know, right. like, throughout the whole church and it's old school pews, whatever else. And so they're passing out all the cups. You pick your, your little cup, uh, yeah. you know, they pass the stuff, you got cup and the juice is in With the, the cup. With the holes in the cup, like it has the place that the holes sit in the cup. That's yeah, 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 yeah. And you yeah, pull yeah. them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same thing. Okay. And so then you have to, like we're on the front row and this is like a pretty big church. And so they're going to go all the way back. And so I decided I was going to sit my juice on the hymnal that's in the back of the slot of the pew. Yeah. Well, I'm this middle school pastor, and I got this sixth grader beside of me who's a little uncoordinated and goofy, and he sees me do it, so he's gonna try to do it. It is amazing how loud <laughs> one cup 
rings like a bell through yes. a church and then the gasp afterwards. So, mm. I, you know, I don't know. There's not Maybe a moral to that story. I just think about it. <laughs> Maybe you need training in the partaking of the Lord's Supper. Yeah. My greatest yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't the most reverent. Now that we use the K-cups, as you guys call them, um, mm. for the Lord's Supper is during quarantine when all of my children were here and I'm sitting with my 19-year-old, with my 22-year-old, with my 15-year-old and my little girls and we're having the Lord's Supper and to see that none of my big kids can open the mm -hmm. cake, like I have to reach over to my 22 year old and help him open his juice box, mm -hmm. I guess, cracks me up. Can you get the straw in the Capri Suns without making a mess? I can actually. I can't do yeah. that, I've never been able to yeah. do that. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm skilled at that. Anyway. I think that's a 50-50 slide skill. That's a 50-50 shot. Anyway, so the message is great. So we are going to let Mike do a recap of the message. You know what that means? Yes. Yes, I'm Mike Lauren! Come on down! <laughs> so this week we dove deep into this practice that we call the Lord's Supper. This is really a gift that God has given to his people, his church. And uh, we started in Luke chapter 22 when Jesus had gathered his disciples there, pretty familiar passage, but really a pivotal point in redemptive history. The night before he was crucified, he gathers in that upper room with his disciples, and they're there to celebrate the Passover, which uh, every Jew had done for the past 1,400 years to celebrate this Passover meal, which up to that point had been the most vivid description or picture or example of the reality that God saves, God is salvation. You wanna see a picture of it? Look back to the Exodus. Well, Jesus gathers the disciples that night and changes that completely, literally takes the Passover meal and all it represented and transforms it into what we call the Lord's Supper. Uh, part of the Passover meal was the bread. He takes it and he says, from now on this bread, this is my body which is given for you. It's to represent who I am and all that I've done and my life, all the totality of who God is in Christ poured out for us. And he transforms the Passover meal into what we call the Lord's Supper and what the Bible calls the Lord's Supper. And then he said to his disciples, do this, there in Luke 22, verse 19, do this, in other words, practice this in remembrance. Call to mind who I am, all that I've done. Do this in remembrance of me. So our big truth was taken directly from that verse. And it's pretty simple, but it's this. Jesus commands his disciples, us, to practice the Lord's Supper in remembrance of him. In remembrance of him. And out of that came really three big ideas. And those three big ideas, Paul helps us in 1 Corinthians 11 when he goes to the church at Corinth and how they had really fouled up and totally distorted the Lord's Supper. And he reminds them that as we take the Lord's Supper, here's what we're to do. The big idea is number one, we remember and we rejoice. We remember who God is, who Jesus is, as represented in this bread. He's the one who satisfies. He's the one who saves. He's the one who secures, and we rejoice. Secondly, Paul reminds us there in 1 Corinthians that when we take the Lord's Supper, we're to examine and repent. We come to the Lord's table, and it's a time of examination. Lord, show me anything in my life that is not worthy or equivalent to, is the translation, meaning to this gospel message pictured in the Lord's Supper. The forgiveness that's represented there, the sacrificial life that's represented there. Lord, show me anything in my life 
Lord, I need to confess and repent of and make right with you between you, me and you, between me and a brother. And then thirdly, Paul says the Lord's Supper every time, as often as you do this, you proclaim, it's a picture of the gospel, until the Lord comes. So in the Lord's Supper, we proclaim the message of the gospel and we also anticipate the day when the Lord's Supper will again, it'll be transformed into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we will enjoy perfect, uninhibited, sinless communion with Jesus, our Savior, forever and ever and ever. All right, let's, let's talk about it. But before we do, I've got to introduce somebody, the Behind the Message founder, <laughs> the BTM OG, Jeremy Bledsoe. No, you well done. What would be really yeah. hip, man. Woo, like, that's right. Okay, so, so you guys may not know this, but Behind the Message, founded by Jeremy Bledsoe, how many years ago did we? we um, two and a half, three, maybe, two three. Two and a half, three years ago. We started with six people in a room, and it was essentially my life group, so it was more of a pity group <laughs> because they knew I led it. But, but it but was look, in a room live with people. Look, look what we got now. Yeah. No we, people. We, we have like a show with Jennifer. That's true. And an internet following. Is that what we have? Yes. We have a following. All right, Jeremy, we'll go to you first. Okay, so Lord's Supper, let's talk a little bit about it. I mean, you've heard the sermon. You've heard all the things. You've gone through it. Just kind of open in a question. When you kind of dig into the Lord's Supper, what jumps out at you? Um... Just how much of a blessing it is to be able to participate in the Lord's Supper together as a local church. You know, just as a local church to be able to come together, to think back about what Christ did for us, um, and the fact that we are the bride of Christ, and the fact that we have some hope to look forward to, right? So even in a situation like right now, right? So we have COVID-19, so I mean, there's a lot of things you can get down about, but we can look the Lord's Supper is an example that there's eternal hope. There's something we're looking towards. And it's well beyond just when COVID-19 maybe goes away. No, it's when we're restored yeah. with Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we get to look to that hope. Yeah, which is another huge blessing for me when I think about why our leadership is so faithful in pursuing the gathering. I mean, I was reminded of that um, listening to the message this weekend that um, the Lord's Supper is something we take together mm -hmm. as the body of Christ. And all those things that you just talked about, how, how powerful and reaffirming and hope-giving that is, and, and you all hold that high. And, and so what a blessing that our church continues to pursue even in the midst of extreme sanitation and masks, um, that you continue to pursue the gathering so that we can participate in things like the Lord's Supper together, which is such a gift. And for me, um, I saw it as just an underused um, item in the tool belt of Christianity in a weird way. I mean, it's kind of like for me when I finally, um, the Lord finally impressed on my heart that repentance was not just a one-time thing to enter into a faith walk with Jesus. It was a daily gift that he gives us. Well, the Lord's Supper is such a gift of repentance and unity for the body of Christ and, and hope giving. And um, I know for most of my um, Christian life, it was not viewed that way. Um, it was not viewed as an, the opportunity that it is. So it was a, it was a huge reminder to me. Yeah, that's big. Yeah. I think one of the things when we approach the Lord's Supper there's a there's certainly a reverence uh, and uh, just a solemn look back at the cross, mm -hmm. and as we do that, recognizing our sin is 
the very reason Jesus is taking that cross and his love for us. It's not, there's no part of that that comes across that's very flippant in that moment. And so it's somber, it's quiet. I think one of the things when we actually gather as a church and take the Lord's Supper, if we will pause, I mean, just pause in our heart and really reflect, mm -hmm. the visible aspects of the Lord's Supper teaches us, yeah. and that visible aspect is a gospel proclamation to anyone who's yeah. present. And I think that's really neat about both of those ordinances. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the Lord's Supper or we talk about baptism, mm -hmm. When we pause in our reverence and reflect as the body in baptism, we are reminded that the old self is dead mm -hmm. and I am raised new in Christ. Mm -hmm. And all the implications of that can run through our mind. It's, it's visible in front of us. Old self buried, new self resurrected. Mm -hmm. Like what that means. Same thing in the Lord's Supper. To be able to go back and understand the love of Christ in that even our brokenness and mm -hmm. our sin, the visible aspects of the gospel that are on full display. Mm -hmm. Man, for all those visual learners, mm -hmm. I, I think that's just an incredible thing. And so then, for the lost person who's present, what a great picture of the gospel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, it, even the questions that they might ask that comes mm -hmm. out of that, just an incredible gift mm -hmm. to the church. Yeah. And I don't think it's something that we just take lightly or we do in routine. Uh, I think it's something we've got to do together mm -hmm. as a church. Uh, that's the way we see that practice in the New Testament. It's, mm -hmm. it's the assembling of the body, and it seems to be organized. And I mean, there's a plan to it. There's Paul saying, "Don't, I mean, don't do this." Yeah. I mean, so you can mess it up yeah. mm -hmm. in your irreverence, and you can take mm -hmm. it too lightly. Anyway, really yeah. good stuff. Any, yeah. any we got some questions, yeah. but any any other thoughts? Just general Lord's Supper before we go. No, no I think that covered it. Yeah. And I, and I think for me, I know I took it too lightly for decades mm. of my Christian walk, probably. And, and something that I had to, I've really had to repent from um, in the past. And now I do. I see it as a gift, not just going through the motions. It's a gift. It's a gift for me. And it's a gift sitting down. We're going we're gonna to see something really neat in a few minutes about taking the Lord's Supper with your children and how mm -hmm. to lead your children through that. And um, I use that now instead of just teaching them to sit still. I use it as a moment of teaching for them. So, yeah, it's a true gift. All right, mailbox, mailbox, here mailbox. we go. Mailbox, okay, so we've got, mail. we've got mail. So first question that came in um, was this. Do you think Judas, talking about the disciple, one of the 12, Judas was forgiven? It seems he was sorry for what he did, considering he killed himself. So this goes back to the, the, the sermon last week yes. in, in John 6 yes. and how that leads in because Jesus is acknowledged, it acknowledges Jesus knew the one who would betray him. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. And um, probably a question that's asked a lot, I would say, a question that's asked a lot. So um, I think we can mm -hmm. confidently say this, and you all jump in here, but I think we can confidently say that Judas was not forgiven and that he is not in the presence of God right now. And for a couple of very important reasons, I think we can make that statement. But I do wanna say this, none of those reasons is um, because he committed suicide. Uh, I think we can say that suicide is not the unpardonable sin. And I think that's been tossed around multiple times. Um, the reason Judas was not forgiven was not because he took his own life. Um, first of all, I think the reason Judas was not forgiven was that Jesus himself said when speaking of Judas, and this is in John 17, 12, he said, none has been lost except the one doomed to destruction. That's the King James verse that says, except for the son of perdition. Um, Jesus himself, his commentary was that Judas um, 
was not a believer, um, that he was doomed to destruction. And the second one is, um, I think Judas is a living example of, to us, of someone who had regret for his actions, but did not walk in true repentance of those actions. Um, and unbelievers do that all the time. There's this thing in our life called um, common grace that is given to believers and unbelievers. And even unbelievers have this awareness of just right and wrong, just mm -hmm. a general right and wrong. And um, they can feel really bad and really sorry for things that they've done. Um, Judas very much exhibited regret for his actions. Um, he did not exhibit repentance. The only person he went to to try to make anything right mm -hmm. was he went back to the chief priest and and tried to throw the money back at them. Um, he tried to maybe correct something there, but there was no act of repentance, no, no directing that toward um, repenting of the act that he had done. And his grief and his remorse and his regret drove him to take his own life. So um, we don't see repentance unto faith in, in Judas's life. And I think what stood out to me, and this question made me think about it, is um, a good lesson to learn from that is I think in our society today, there are way more people than we even want to acknowledge that are walking around with regret mm -hmm. and, and even maybe involved in church life and church activities, and they're very regretful of things that they've done wrong, but they've never truly repented and place their faith in Christ as their savior. Um, Judas, I mean, you talk about somebody who had the ultimate experience of walking with Jesus himself for three years and around his teaching and around his followers and, and saw, saw the miracles, but yet had a, had a false show about him. And, um, and that played out in the end. So I think scripture bears out that no, Judas was not uh, forgiven, and I think it's very clear that it was because he walked in regret and not in repentance. So, anyway, did I answer that one fully? I think it was a it great answer. I, I think, think yeah, that I think maybe. Okay. Yeah. No, Look, that's just evidence. Send all your hard questions to no, Jennifer. No, no, no. And she'll, no. she'll exculpate them. You can't even say the word. Yeah, Jimmy, yeah, I tried. Go I tried. Back, I tried. Go, I tried. Hey, I tried. Yeah. One thing, though, I just want to go back. It's, it's a good answer. There's a lot of things to unpack, but one just really practical difference that I think still plays out in our life is the Christian life is a life of repentance. Yeah. It's a life of constantly dying to self. Mm -hmm and turning to Jesus. Now there's a saving faith component of that that we know happens in that moment of justification. But in sanctification, we are being conformed more and more into yeah. the image of Christ. Understand regret isn't repentance. Mm -hmm. That's a huge thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and part of the reason I think we get the two confused is we have a lower view of Christ. Mm. And part of saving faith and repentance isn't just about being sorry for the bad thing we've done. Mm -hmm. It's also recognizing who he is, yeah. his holiness, yeah. his standard. And so great aspect for you to just wrestle and think through this week. Mm -hmm. So if you're taking notes, you write journals, write those things down yeah. and just meditate on that a little mm, bit this week. Good. good stuff, good that's stuff. Good. Got another question? We do. Number two is this. This one I'm going to pitch back to you guys. Do people, this goes with the Lord's Supper, good question. Do people really get sick and even die from irreverently taking the Lord's Supper? That one's going to you guys. All right, so th this comes straight from 1 Corinthians yeah. chapter 11. Mike read this in the larger passage. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to open up your, your scriptures, open up your Bible, go back to verse 17 and really read all the way through verse 34. I won't do all that here, but let me pick up in verse 27. 
context, we're talking about the Lord's Supper. We're talking about those who Paul does not commend in the way they're taking this. Again, it's, it's irreverent. It's self-centered. It's focused on them. Not at all the call that's given to the Lord's Supper. And so he says in verse 27, Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Remember that. That's important. That means we can do this the wrong way. Getting it right matters, Mm -hmm. right? In an unworthy manner, we'll be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And then Paul writes, that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. Mm -hmm. So Paul makes this statement, there is a right way, there's a right method, a right heart, a right posture to approach the Lord's Supper. And then there's a wrong Mm -hmm. way. And in that wrong way, if you continue to pursue in that wrong way, there can be physical consequences to approaching the Lord's Supper with this kind of irreverent uh, idea. So here's the thing. Uh, can I point you to an example? I don't know. Uh, does, uh, does that happen today? Don't know. Uh, I can tell you in the Word of God inspired by the Spirit, Paul said it was happening in the church at okay. Corinth. So it was clearly happening there. And it clearly can happen. And it's just like any other sin issue in our heart, any other pride we bring before the Lord. The Lord has in his freedom the ability, Mm -hmm. the power, and the right Mm -hmm. to react to our sin and our pride as a loving father as he chooses. And so that discipline may be something as simple as sickness. Mm -hmm. It may be even to the point of death. And so that's laid out there in Corinthians. And I don't know that there's anything that would say uh, that it is prescriptive, that if you do this thing, this has to happen, Mm -hmm. nor is there anything in Scripture that says if you do this, it will happen. Mm -hmm. But it's a clear descriptive account of what's happening there in the church in Corinth. So could it still happen today? Absolutely. Yeah, and it's a clear call to seriousness. I mean, the weightiness of what what the Lord's given us. So, yeah, Yeah. that's good. And I would want to say two things. So first of all, thank you for sending in the questions. Yeah. We really appreciate it. It really helps our conversation. Uh, and both of these questions are really good questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them um, are kind of one of those things to where it's like, do you think this really happened? Yeah. Or, I mean, Judas was sorry. And sometimes we have a tendency to kind of feel bad for Judas a little bit, yeah. right? And I think just how you both answered these questions, you immediately went back to Scripture. What does Scripture say? Mm-hmm. Okay, because Scripture is going to hand you some tough truths, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they just are. I mean, even think about the sermon from last week where Jesus is talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. There's some tough truths there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's the thing. When we come across these things that kind of tug at, you know, did this really happen or is that fair or unfair, we've got to go back and see what mm-hmm. God's Word says, yeah. right? Yeah. And, um, and I think you all both did a really good job in answering those. But it's just a reminder to all of us that, you know, the truth comes from God's word, not our feelings, emotions, yeah. struggles. Yeah, we'll talk about good. that in a minute. We got, we got some more questions. I want to chase something. We get deceived. Mm-hmm. That, that's a common thread in all of this. I'm mm-hmm. sure they're just doing their thing. Judas is doing anything. I actually relate a lot in my mind to how I perceive Judas. Mm-hmm. I think Judas is scheming. In my mind, I think, again, I don't know this for scripture, it's just, it's, uh, just an opinion. 
I think Judas really thinks he's going to force Jesus's hand mm. into overthrowing Rome yeah. and starting his kingdom. And he's just deceived. Mm -hmm. And it, he doesn't know Christ, spirit, mm -hmm. God, father, like drawn into Christ. Mm -hmm. he's, he's not in, yeah. he doesn't get it. It's from a very human limited yeah. mindset. Mm -hmm. And he just is deceived. Yeah. And I look at my life and so much within me, there is this pull to be deceived mm -hmm. and to follow these lies. And the greatest strength I have in a practical pursuit, the spirit that indwells me is my greatest strength. Mm -hmm. But the practical pursuit of that is God's word. Yeah. So the more I have God's word as my filter, mm -hmm. oh, the more I have the power of the Spirit through the Word to work as the lens to go, oh, oh, that's that's mm -hmm. a lie. Right. Yeah. And that's huge. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. Yeah. Good and that point. leads right into our next question. Actually, that's like almost exactly what will answer the next question. Look at you. <laughs> it's almost as if you knew it was coming. Um, so question number three is this. This was a great question. It says, I'm feeling pretty powerless over the circumstances and decisions that are affecting my family and me during this season of COVID-19. In fact, many of the decisions regarding school, church, work, etc., I just plain do not agree with, and I'm having a difficult time reconciling myself with the decisions that are being made. Can you please give me some suggestions or guidelines that will help me process these thoughts and emotions in a way that honors God and honors those in leadership over me? Great question. That's Very awesome current, um, current question, which really goes back to exactly what you were saying. Yeah, Judas's best laid plan. So address what you were saying to this question. All right, I'll, I'll give you some talking points. Uh, I'm going to kind of mostly just walk through Proverbs, but here's the thought. Pursue wisdom. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it, it's giving frame to what Jeremy just said, but pursue wisdom. Mm -hmm. uh, on my daughter's wall, there's a big sign, homemade sign, that says wisdom. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to pursue truth, knowledge, understanding of God's word and let God be the filter in the way in which we see everything. Mm -hmm. And so wisdom is discipline. It's discipline. Mm -hmm. It's a disciplined cognitive pursuit that aims our emotions. Mm -hmm. Now, that's important because wisdom doesn't just happen. It's a cognitive yeah. pursuit. It's a mental pursuit that requires diligence and strategy, right? Wisdom is not an emotional instinct, right, that, that comes from, like, that aims our thinking or our actions, in other words. So wisdom doesn't, again, it's not just the way we feel or the way we react. It is the study of God's word, of who he is, that then we aim everything else in our life that way. Mm -hmm. So Proverbs walks through that, and it gives you all kinds of great yeah. handles. So number one, value it. Mm -hmm. you got to value wisdom. Proverbs 1-7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So here's the idea. The wise people pursue it. They understand it's the beginning of the fear of the Lord. It's the recognition of who is, who he is. His truth is truth. Mm -hmm. Like, and so we pursue it. It's a treasure to us. Second, pray for it. James comes back to this and gives us a really famous passage there in James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Pray for wisdom. Huge step in just the day-to-day -day battle. Third, seek it diligently. Proverbs 8.11. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. All right, now listen. 
I can dream up some crazy things to desire. Like I can think of like my own cruise ship. I want one of those like mega yachts that costs like a million dollars. It would just be fun to have. I can think up some really cool things. Everything I can think of, wisdom has more value than that. You are so beyond what I think. I just want an ice maker in my house. Like I, an very ice small, maker. Mm -hmm. like I, an under the cabinet that crushes and makes like sonic ice. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I have flying squirrels in my attitude. Okay. I would I would accept the get rid of the sonic. I just want country roads to be the national anthem. All right, all right, all right. So, so we seek it diligently. In other words, we treasure it. it it's precious. Next, follow it, follow it. So, you, yeah. wisdom is an, an understanding. Put the understanding into action. We have to follow it. Proverbs seventeen twenty four. The discerning sets his face toward wisdom, mm -hmm. but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. So here's a plug, get in Proverbs and study and read and chase these things. Proverbs 19:20. listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the mm -hmm. future. It's in the book of Proverbs, yeah. it's in the scriptures, gain that wisdom and pursue it. Yeah. And so here's the answer back to the question. If somebody's sitting there listening, they're going, yeah, all that's great. <laughs> I just want my kids to go back to school and I'm irritated and I'm stressed out and I don't Wear know the how mask. to, right, like the mask and all this stuff and I'm stressed and you're just telling me to study. I am. So here's the reason. God's word and wisdom isn't just built overnight. Yeah. So you getting in the scriptures yeah. may not just change the way you feel today. And so often we look at it that way for this immediate sense of gratitude or this immediate feedback, this just very quick just delivered outcome. But wisdom is a lot more like math. Think of how long it takes a kid to learn math. They do that for years. You don't start out in first grade like, all right, we're just gonna skip to calculus. That doesn't happen. It's building blocks. And through that lens, then we have a foundation. If you really wanna get to a place where you have more security, where you have more joy, where you have more wisdom, mm -hmm to be able to navigate the trials as they come through your life, you're gonna to have to do the diligent study of God's Word. Today. Yeah, today, today and tomorrow and the next day and yeah. the next day, and it's going to have to be a pursuit. As long as you're just wanting some instinctive, like quick answer, mm -mm. it's not gonna happen. Yeah. And you may get one that somehow feels like it helps this circumstance, but here's the truth. Tomorrow there'll be another circumstance. Yeah. yeah. So. And, and that's the filter that we put on. I mean, every day, and sometimes I grieve because I think, how am I not walking in wisdom today? Because a year ago, I was not pursuing the Word of God like I could have been pursuing the Word of God and the amount of wisdom that He wanted to provide for me for this very instance. Um, it's a daily, it's a daily pursuit. So there's this filter that we have to put on. But I, as a woman, I'm going to say very practically, um, this will probably hit more women out there than men. There are some filters we need to take off too. Like there are some filters that we are um, are looking through that are just false and they are deceiving us. And so the amount of time that we are spending on social media and reading everybody else's opinions about school board decisions and reading everybody, I watched the school board meeting, I was on there, um, but reading everybody else's opinions and commentary on all of that, um, is not wisdom. I mean, that's that's Judas's best laid plans. You know, his best ideas of how everything should work out. We all have our best ideas of how everything should work out. Um, but there are some things that we need to step away from. And if we are spending more time in um, on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, reading everybody else's wisdom about these decisions, then we are missing the opportunity for the true wisdom that God wants to pour into our lives. And so that's a um, 
that's a big shout out, I think, to to women who and men who are forming their opinions based on everybody else's opinions that are on um, social media. And the word of God is the truth that stands stands the test of time and stands COVID at the same time, withstands it all. All right, Jeremy, party yes. words before we kick you out of here. <laughs> yes, um, thank you for having me. You're hey, so welcome. Thank you for having me. And in all, and in all sincerity, you all have done a really good job. And I appreciate this. This has been good for me personally, my family, our church. Um, Just the fact that you all have been able to take this structure and use it in the virtual world. It's been very good. We've heard some good comments. And and just thank you for um, diving into subjects that are difficult because you haven't just taken softballs. And really appreciate that. And you guys are a blessing to our church. So thank you to you guys. And also, there are people behind these cameras uh, doing work. Turn them all around. And they put a lot of work into this every single week. And we can't do it without them. So thank you. That's awesome. That was a sweet way to end. (laughs) (laughs) You had money to pull out. I ain't got no money to pull out. Yes. So now we have the opportunity to have a brand new segment because. We need something new. And so the new segment is what's going to be called, we think right now, Our Bookshelf. So um, we are just going to give you some resources that we're using apart from the Word of God, but um, that have meant a lot to us, that have pushed us deeper into the Word, that have challenged us. It might be books one week, it might be articles, might be a video one week. So we'll just kind of see what happens when this one um, comes out. But so for this week on Our Bookshelf. Are you a big reader? Huge. Here's the thing. I'm in seminary right now. <laughs> so, so my professor this term, um, we have a few books to read um, this term. So I, I'm not bringing those books. That's what's like on my bookshelf. the book easiest channel. professor ever, though. Come on. We'll talk about that off camera. Yeah. But um, I'm not bringing seminary books to you on my bookshelf. So anyway, you go. What, what are you reading? Uh, well, I'll give you a book we, we read last year as a staff staff. that was really good. It's called The Gospel According to Satan by Jared Wilson. That's a great title for a book. That's a catchy title. That'll catch you, right? So here's the idea and the reason it's a great book for you to read now. It talks about the predominant worldview lies that we believe, Mm -hmm. and they will hit you. Mm -hmm. Like, it, they, you, it's not like you say, well, I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. They're so buried into our worldview that they influence us, uh, like our individualism. Hmm. Like it's hard to separate from that in our culture. Yeah. And so it exposes some of these lies and then just digs into scripture. It can be pretty heavy at times, hmm. but it digs into scripture and helps us kind of figure out how do we, one, identify those lies, yeah. how do we discern them, see them in our life, and then how do we begin to grow in them, build in that filter, and then how do we expose those same lies to other people to help them grow past them? Wow. So it's a great book, The Gospel According to Satan by Jared Wilson. Light read. It's a light read. Yeah. Just pick it up. Um, or you could pick up uh, The Little Princess by Frances Hodgson's Burnett, which is what I'm reading to the girls right now, but we won't put that. Lee's so, reading The Pilgrim's Progress. You guys finished already. We did. I, Mike was reading that to them. I don't know if he's finished with that. He may be finished. Um, anyway, Pilgrim's Progress. So my book on the bookshelf, which is one I actually read through with um, two dear friends of mine, um, one sitting over there, um, was by John Piper. It was called Peculiar Glory. Amazing, amazing book about the glory of the Word of God. Um, rocked my world a little bit. Not only does it go through um, just the, the truth and the assurance that we have in the translations and in all that about the Word of God, it also... Uh, pushes that the word of God is not an end unto itself. The word of God is the is the 
it's not a portrait hanging on a wall that we study and fall in love with. It's a picture window that we look through to see the glory of Jesus Christ. So um, that was wonderful for me to read, especially before I started seminary, which can push you into just the glory of studying the word and, and knowledge. And um, the end game of all of that is the, the glory of Christ himself. So it's, it's not a light read either, but it's Peculiar Glory by John Piper. It's really, really good. Um, so we are going to bring a neat guest to the table with us. Um, her name is Courtney Noel, and we are giving her a title. And we're going to call her our senior correspondent. And what Courtney's going to bring um, throughout the course... Oh, just come on in. Um, what Courtney's going to bring um, throughout uh, some of the Behind the Message broadcasts is going to be um, some liveliness, some livelihood. But she's also going to interview, like she did our interview with Allie a few weeks ago, and um, she's going to do an interview today uh, that I think you're going to really enjoy. So this is Miss Courtney Noel. Hello. <laughs> T- tell them something about you. Yeah. I'm kind of a big deal. So. No, there we go. Very humble, big deal. This is why she's this. Please put the title, Senior Correspondent. Behind the message, Senior Correspondent, Miss Courtney Noel. Very, very shy, very withdrawn. Courtney is yep. hard to get her to open up. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, what are you Are you in, You're in school right mm-hmm. now. What I'm at ETSU, nursing. Okay. You're in nursing. Yes. All right. And when do you graduate? Um, with my bachelor's in 23, okay. but I'm hoping to go on. Okay, well that's so, exciting. Yes. How many years have you been here at Tri-Cities? <laughs> like, since I was like five, so wow. I'm 19. 14. Yeah, 14 mm-hmm. years. <laughs> that is awesome. Yes. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to take just a minute and um, close in prayer like we always do. We're just going to pray scripture um, over our church family. But you guys stay tuned after the prayer because Courtney has a great interview that she's done with Pastor Austin. Um, as we've been talking about the Lord's Supper, we wanted to get a great perspective on how to walk your children through the Lord's Supper and some great resources and some tools that we have for that. Um, so I'm going to close this in prayer and then you're going to get to see um, Courtney, the big deal, <laughs> her interview um, with Pastor Austin. So stay tuned after the prayer. Let me pray for us. Father God, we praise you for your word today. And we praise you um, for the parts of your word that are even difficult, um, that are hard. But we give thanks to you. Lord, in Psalm 105, it says, give thanks to the Lord call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. Lord, we want to make your deeds known and to magnify your name. Sing to him, sing praises to him, speak of all his wonders. Lord, we want to glory in your holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Lord, we will seek you and your strength. We want to seek your face continually. And as we, as we heard this weekend in the message, as we talked about the Lord's Supper, Lord, we want to remember, to remember your wonders that you have done, your marvels and the judgments that have been uttered by your mouth. Lord, we praise you for the ways that you have given us to remember your faithfulness. And we thank you for who you are and for your word. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Hi, church family. Courtney here. Today I'm here with Pastor Austin, and today we're going to talk about the Lord's Supper. So, Austin, tell us a little brief summary of what the Lord's Supper is and why we take part in it as Jesus followers. Sure. 
So I think uh, to begin there, I think I would begin with the Lord's Supper is for Jesus followers. Um, I think that's the first point that we all need to bring out and understand is that um, in order to take and partake of the Lord's Supper, you have to have repentance and faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior in order to remember and rejoice in the Lord's Supper. And then I really think it just kind of comes down to three key words. So that first one is remember. So we take the Lord's Supper um, to remember, to remember the finished work of Christ on the cross. I think the second thing is to examine, to examine our hearts before the Lord. And then lastly, it's to proclaim. It's uh, to proclaim uh, his death, Jesus' death, until he returns. So I think those are kind of three key words um, to kind of uh, latch on to, um, to kind of really understand what is the Lord's Supper and, and why do we take it. It's to remember and to examine and uh, to proclaim. That's good. So how would you tell parents to if they're wanting to talk to their kids that are not Jesus followers, sure. how would you tell them how to talk to them about the Lord's Supper? Sure. So I think um, this is one of my, my favorite things to talk about um, with parents. And I think it begins with, first of all, and I'm going to kind of use three Ps if that's okay to kind of remember. Um, so I think, first of all, prepare. So always um, kind of counsel parents, don't walk into a Lord's Supper service cold, in other words. So prepare, prepare your heart, prepare your own heart, um, but also prepare the hearts of your children um, that have the conversation before. So the worst thing to do is to drive up to church and, um, and then you walk into a worship service and then you realize, oh, we're having Lord's Supper today and my kids know nothing about it. And then you're having to kind of try to do that all from the pew. So um, that happens and that's okay. Um, but I think if you can get ahead of that um, and have a conversation with your kids beforehand, I think is definitely um, the number one thing to do is to, to prepare. Um, the second one is to um, practice. Um, so maybe model would be a better word, but it doesn't start with a P, so I'm going to use the word right. practice, right? Um, so practice would mean um, with, that as you partake in the Lord's Supper as parents in, in the worship service, really uh, walk alongside your children in that moment. Um, talk about the elements, whisper to them, what does is, what is the blood uh, represent? What does the, the bread represent? Um, so model all of that. Instead of, in other words, saying, I'm gonna kind of make sure they have something to do during the Lord's Supper, um, and then that way I can kind of uh, spend this time in prayer, include them in that. So prepare, practice, and lastly, um, peace. And that really is trusting God's work in their heart, the Holy Spirit's work in, in their hearts, to gain understanding over time of what the Lord's Supper is all about. Um, I think sometimes we make the mistake of, you know, okay, well, do they really understand what's going on, all the elements? Um, but I think to, to recognize that this is the work of the Holy Spirit, um, that as we're talking to boys and girls about the Lord's Supper and we're modeling that for them, to trust the Holy Spirit's work in their hearts. And oftentimes the Lord uses the Lord's Supper, the, that ordinance, um, to draw them to a place of repentance and faith in Jesus. So those would be just three super practical ways to talk to your kids about the Lord's Supper. So going off that, what is some scripture that parents can use during those conversations to sure. walk through with yeah. their kids? Sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, you're good. Um, so I think uh, I would go all the way, I would begin with, go all the way back to Exodus 12. Um, and if you kind of recall the Lord's Supper, it's rooted in the Passover meal. So even if you go directly to Exodus 12 and you read that passage there, um, Moses gives a direct, um, a direct reference to children. 
In fact, it, he, there's a command to celebrate Passover, right, every year. And so there even says that as you're doing that together as a family, celebrating Passover, um, that children will ask, what does this mean? And that gives you the opportunity to, to share and speak to them about what the Lord's Supper means. And that's really rooted in Passover, but carried over into the Lord's Supper. So um, Exodus 12, I think, would be the first scripture to read. Um, the second one is Luke 22. That's when Jesus is actually going through um, the Last Supper. Again, it's the Passover meal, so we kind of transition to that. Um, and, but he's saying this is anew. This is something, a, a new covenant, that I'm going to take something that was old and make it new again. So that's the actual passage, Luke 22, that's there. So I think read that passage with your kids. I think that would be a great a great place. And then lastly, um, 1 Corinthians 11. That's where Paul teaches a little bit more about the Lord's Supper and kind of breaks that down. So there's some key teaching that's there. So I think those are three. That kind of covers the gamut of Lord's Supper, I think. If you go back to Exodus 12, then go to Luke 22, and then go to 1 Corinthians 11. I think that, that's some great scripture to root and have conversation with your children about the Lord's Supper. Thank you, Pastor Austin, for coming, and we'll see you next time.